Amen. Amen. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness that you have prepared for us today. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that God has prepared understanding for you today, give me an amen. Amen. If you believe that something great, that is the word of God, is delivering something great to you, give me an amen. Amen. Therefore, let us declare the word of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. If you believe it, so that will be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, can you just greet two or three people beside you? Tell them you are very wise with God's wisdom. Heaven is speaking to you today. Heaven is speaking to you today. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you are blessed, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's open our Bibles. Um, the culture of faith. Let's not forget, because of understanding of spiritual things, there's a way we behave. Our faith produces habits for us. That's what we have been talking about. And if your faith is not producing something for you, that faith is not genuine. That's a matter of fact. It's not genuine. It is not that you think you have faith that matters. It is that your faith is affecting the way you behave. If before you heard the word of prosperity and God's ability to increase, you were living your life, spending your money in a particular way, then you heard the word of abundance, you heard the word of prosperity, you heard the word that says that, that explains to you that God is in charge of your future and is going to lift you up. And then if you check your spending pattern, it has not changed. You know the truth? You don't believe that word. No matter how much you think you believe it, no matter how much you are declaring it, if it does not change your attitude towards your money and how you use it, okay, if the word has not affected you. I am not talking about you now start sowing seeds that are dead on arrival. What are seeds that are dead on arrival? Money given deliberately so that it can increase your account with God. Money given deliberately so God can multiply it and then give something to you. Money given because you need a car, so you go and take money that is the size that is enough to buy tires. You now sow it as a seed and say, God will multiply my seed and give me a car. Those are seeds dead on arrival. Are you getting my point? You know, I told you this um, comical experience that I had. I went to teach, and you know the way career seminars here, and they've been doing it for a very long time. So I went to teach in the campus University of Benin. I had the banquet hall for two or three days. And on the third day, I was trying to make a point. I was trying to encourage people not to live for themselves. I said, I noticed something. If you get a job, one of the first things you do as a young man, you start saving up money to buy a car. I said, look, learn to do other things first. Learn to do other things first. You were in school, you know, you have friends, you have people who blessed you. You have uncles, you have parents, you know. You have a church that helped you. You have a fellowship that they encouraged you and all of that. 
When you start any money, the first year, don't even think about anything special for yourself. Just say, this year, let me just be honoring people. So you collect salary this month, you collect a huge chunk, go to that your campus fellowship, buy them a new keyboard, buy them a new drum set. Next month is your uncles, your aunties, those who are used to mistakenly visit when you are going back to school, you know, that kind of thing. You didn't come to collect money, you just came to greet them. And I say, hi, school, I'm going back next week. You know what that means. By the time you do three, four visits like that, something will drop. Then you now add that one to the ones your parents have prepared, and then your life is better. Those kind of people go back now and visit them a month after salaries you know, are paid. You get there and say, ah, what is happening? I just came to say good morning, uncle. And as you are leaving, you leave a goat behind. As you are leaving, you know, you leave a carton of um, a bag of rice behind. Start doing that. You know? So I was trying to explain all of these principles to people. And I said, look, before you even buy a car, give out a spare tire for goodness sake to somebody who has a car already. At the end of the day, one young man came to me and said, sir, I want to get something clear. You are saying that if I need a car, I should give out a tire. <laughs> you know, there are times you, like Apostle uh, 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 was telling me the other day that, what did you say that young woman? One young woman asked you a question. Well, one prophet said she should do something. She called you to ask her that she should do it. What was the thing again? Uh-huh, yes, yes. Uh, prophet, he was telling me that a young woman went to a prophet, had some issues. So the prophet said that to clear the way for men to come into her life, she would spend the night with him. So she called him to say, Pastor, what do you think? He said he was ashamed of himself that she needed to call him. I don't know whether you get the point. That this somebody who I taught in church is calling to discuss this with me. If she had called to say, Pastor, now I spit for your face. And I said, yes, you are a daughter of mine. Are you getting my point? <laughs> He said, started feeling bad that, ha, ah, what did I do all these months that this girl was under my tutelage? That she did not have enough understanding that she has to call me to see how do I handle the situation. Now, that's how I felt that day when that young man, after three days of intensive teaching, <laughs> asked me and said, are you saying now that when I want a car, I give out a tire? I felt like starting the whole program again. Obviously, I didn't make my point clear. As we were closing, it just came to me. Now, that's, those seeds are dead on arrival. Listen, if you like, don't believe me. It is your time you will waste. If you give out something deliberately for what it will produce for you, it cannot produce anything. It's dead seed. That seed is dead. You boiled your corn, dried it, and you went to plant it. How do you expect it to germinate? You know why? Because what we sow into the realm of the spirit is spiritual. So when you are giving out money like that in the seed form that we are trying to do as believers, is what is inside that actually enters the realm of the spirit. And what is inside in this case is selfishness. It's not a gift. It's not a seed. You are not thinking of the person you are giving to. You are thinking of yourself. Do you follow my point? Now that just by the way. So you go and read that Philippians chapter 4. When Paul blessed the Philippians, when he blessed them, he said to them clearly something, that you have kindled your love for me again. It was not your your key to multiplying your own seed. It was the love that you have for me that you kindled. Do you follow my point? Go and check it in Galatians chapter 6. He explained it there also. All right? Those that sow to the flesh from the flesh rip corruption. So it was love that they kindled in the case of the Philippians. That's why I could say to them confidently, I know, I rejoice because I know that seed, fruit, will accrue to your account. Then he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, listen to the point. It was not because they wanted something. It was because they wanted to bless the man. And whoever gives to a prophet in the name of the prophet, not because he is in need, but because this is a prophet, he's the one that gets a prophet's reward. 
We'll see it again and again. They are our best illustration, the Shunammite woman. What can we do for you? Nothing. She said to, 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 to her husband, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by us every day. Let us bless him. Let us give him something. Why? He's a holy man of God. Whatever they did for Elisha, they did as honor for his God. And God said, whoever honors me, I will honor. Not those who sow a seed into my life so that I can multiply it. God checks your motive. Never forget that. God checks your motive. Never forget it. Now, so I was just saying that. That's by the way. So the point I'm making here is this. So if you want to check whether you really believe, check how it has affected your works. That's what I'm trying to say by that. It will affect your attitude towards giving. It will affect your attitude towards saving. It will affect your attitude towards working. It will affect your attitude towards how you talk about money. Listen to this. It will affect your attitude about how you talk about the country you live in. Because I've noticed something. Everybody is waiting for somebody somewhere to make the country good so that he will not run away. And let me tell you something. Please run away. Nobody wants you. Are you, are you getting my point? We are not begging you. This is a Christian perspective. The Christian attitude is that the country was bad. It was a bush. There were no rules. There was nothing. Missionaries came because they felt they were on assignment. Anywhere you are going in life, you don't feel an assignment. You are a slave in the making. Anywhere you are going in life, it's not because you are pursuing an assignment from God. You are a slave being cooked, being prepared. Your slavery is doing press up. I like that expression. <laughs> That's a matter of fact. Never forget it. I keep on, I, I don't know, things are just coming to my mind because of things that are good on around. This is a fact of life, my people. Remember, we believers, that's what marks us out. We have a mission mindset. That's the point. We have a mission mindset. Please, if you are not around when we're doing our School of Prayer series on the, um, the warrior's perspective, try and get the message. The warrior's perspective. That's what we believers are. We look at life as a mission from God. Because I had discussions the other day. People were saying that some people prepare their own country well. That's what's enticing young people. I don't care what is enticing you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Whatever is enticing you, let it entice you. May you be enticed. Do you follow my point? I am just saying, what is your focus in life? Do you realize you're on a mission? Is it every time they dangle something sweet? One day we were on radio, a woman called in. Of course, you know the radio program, the, um, the Dream FM on, Word versus Word. So I was the one on that day. And the woman asked a question. She wanted to know. Now, listen, this, this was her perspective. That, um, what if you are married to somebody, and when you say we are married to somebody, she means I'm married to this man. <laughs> we are giving that situation is themselves they are talking about most of the time. Not every time, at least 75% of the times. You are married to somebody and things are rough, and the man can tell you to be better, to be better, to be better, to be better. How long will you wait hoping things will be better? <laughs> so I like, excuse me. Wait, your, this is husband and wife matter. She said yes. The man was okay before, then things went rough. So now she's, let's make a long story short. He's giving the thing in no matter of time. I don't know how long she will stay like this, suffering like this. If it doesn't move so that she can move on, how long is she supposed to wait? And there are questions you hear. You start wondering whether you're talking to Christians. So I said to her simply, my dear sister, properly married? Yes. I said, I believe in the old time vow. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. Until death. Let me speak the English properly. The proper English is until death us do part. It's Elizabethan English, not modern English. Learn the right thing. <laughs> that is until death separates us. I said, my dear sister, you are not going anywhere. 
we pray that things will improve, but that's not the premise upon which you are staying there. That's not the premise upon which you are staying there. Things will pray to improve. Who doesn't want things to improve? But whether it improves or not, Omo, you don't enter. <laughs> exactly, you go die here. It's called, it's called Fatia Adaya. Have you ever heard of Fatia Adaya? When I was in secondary school, one day we were watching Lion of the Desert, Omar Mukta. <laughs> so, my, one of my classmates passed and said, have they reached Fatia Adaya? I said, what? He said, okay, they'll soon get to Fatia Adaya. After a while, <laughs> we saw men lying down, tying their legs. They laid down with their guns and tied one leg. I said, I better fight and die here. That was what my classmates call Fatia Adaya. <laughs> that is what marriage is. Marriage is what? Fatia Adaya. Fight here and die here. <laughs> That's what they call Fatia Adaya. You learned one in new English today, all right? So when you get back home. <laughs> the Lord is good. I told the lady, listen, you know, I said it is called fight here and die here. You ain't going anywhere. And the earlier you realize it, the better. So get up your loins and do what you have to do to make sure the house improves because this is your house. In the same manner, we believers understand some things. We are warriors of Christ. We are warriors of Christ. We are not people like Demas. Wherever is good, that's what we are looking for. No, we understand that God is on the redemption mission and we are the ones that he has sent. So we are the ones that go to where things are not good. That's why I like my friend, Pastor Courage. When ministers were running away from the north, he was moving from Sokoto to Meduguri. Everybody was running. He said, the only way we will redeem a land, when the land has been polluted and God wants to reclaim it, he sends what the Bible calls salt to the place. They are the ones that go there. They go and, in, they, they go and infuse the word into the environment. Because no matter what you do, no matter the amount of military power, sometimes people say, what is the, that Buhari is not doing anything. Buhari is not doing anything. I just said, listen, just by the way, look, you don't have a critical spirit. Please don't, as a believer. Have a spirit of faith. Okay? You should have a spirit of faith. What I'm saying is that, Buhari is not doing anything. (laughs) If you know what he's having to fight in what you call Boko Haram, if you understand that spirit, you know there's no way in the world that spirit has been easily defeated. No. Go, go, go all over the world and check it. That spirit went to Syria. See what's been going on in Syria for some time? America, with all their military power, they couldn't silence that spirit in Afghanistan. They couldn't. They can't. They can't. Now Afghanistan has taken more land than they ever had, that is um, uh, Taliban. They've taken so much land. I was reading about it in the um, in other Newsweek or BBC a few days ago. These are not spirits you, you overcome by, you am angry. I have a weapon. You are dealing with people that when they come out to fight, they are hoping to die. These are the people you are dealing with. Normal warfare, your, your enemy wants to stay alive. You have an enemy that's saying that if I die in this process, it is gain. <laughs> but you, you want to stay alive. Those are not enemies you fight easily. Always changing their tactics. People like to insult APC. APC I'm not an APC member. I'm just, I believe in, in, in God. And I apply that faith to my nation all the time. He said, what does Buhari do? I said, why, why don't you be sincere with yourself? Number one, when he came into power, they were holding three local governments. Now they don't have any. He said, but they are still attacking. That's how they are. They still attack in France. They still attack in London. They still attack all over Europe. They still attack in America. That's what they are. That's just what they do. So you sit down in your house, be insulting the head of state that hasn't done anything. It shows you don't know anything yourself. You don't know what he's having to deal with. You don't understand it. If you just bother to read global news, you know we are dealing with serious matters. 
You are doing a serious matters. These are people that I was reading one today, one young man that joined Al-Qaeda because he was bored. He was just looking, he, was, he wanted to go on a suicide mission. They told him that you don't have enough Islamic knowledge to go on suicide mission. So they sent him to an Islamic school to go and get indoctrinated. He said, well, let me go and do one. It was one of those motions that one day they now arrested him and handed him over to the United States. Not telling all the stories. Why am I saying all of these things? So you see, you're not dealing with normal human beings here. So when you want to overcome them, you will understand what the Bible means that you, <laughs> that you are, we wrestle not against guns and mortar. We wrestle not against knives and, <laughs> you follow my point? We're not wrestling against human beings, flesh and blood. We are talking with, about principalities and powers. You are talking about spiritual wickedness. Let me use modern English. Wicked spirits that dwell in heavenly places. That's, that is in the heavenly realms. Those are people you are dealing with. They just manifest as small boys bumping themselves up. They use every tactic. You know, I mean, we, in the north, with JTF, everything. Finally, they managed to you know, contain them. They couldn't suicide bomb again using men. They turned to using small, small girls. Most of the suicide bombing in Nigeria now, in the last one year, two years, has been done only by young girls. I mean, they, they, I mean, they, they were able to you know, contain the men. It's okay, fine. We'll give you the girls. And of course, the girls that killed many people before people realized that ha, it's girls they are using now. You know why? These are wicked spirits. These are wicked spirits. And let me just say to Christians again, God has done us in such a way, eh? Let me tell you the truth. The way life is, is that we can't run. I used to say something before. God, it won't happen in Jesus' name. What I'm about to say, alright? But I used to say that if war breaks out in a country like Nigeria, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to join one of the parties fighting. I don't care whether I believe in their cause or not. I just want to get my gun. You say why? Because I watched the war in Sierra Leone. I watched the war in Libya. And I said, nobody will do this to me. You see a man, they will take his wife and children and kill them in front of him. I said, Laila, I'm going to get my side. I'm a volunteer for the medical corps. They will commission me. I'll go serious training. Learn how to shoot. I walk around with grenade. <laughs> I'm serious. I wasn't joking when I said it. Though. I served in the military. That is like when I was serving. I served in Nigeria Army during my youth service. Okay? Our soldiers were in Liberia. They come back with stories. They tell you things. You interact with them. <laughs> Nobody's gone. We will carry. Not because I like to fight. Though. I just told myself, I won't stay somewhere. And one guy will say he's a rebel leader. Do you know what they used to do in Sierra Leone? Let me tell you. They will come. They will ask you, long sleeve or short sleeve? And they cut your hand. Do you know how painful it is? They will like you and cut the hands of your children. They didn't, they didn't discriminate. <laughs> when I watched that one, I said, thank God to happen in Nigeria, but this guy ain't running anywhere. When you hear Guza, Guza, where are they recruiting? Look, you may be laughing, but I meant it all. So I just want to get my gun. Learn how to throw grenade. When I, I, I'll go and walk. I put my gun against the wall, one in my pocket. My, my drawer, grenade here, grenade here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> wait, wait, what do you say they worry you? Headache? If I hear pain, I remove one pin. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 oh, holy guy, I remove the pin, consulting. <laughs> I'm serious. Is there operating two soldiers outside, cocking gun? In theater, I'll have, I'll have my gun strapped to my leg. If I'm operating, you misbehave, I shoot you there and everything. <laughs> A lot is good. <laughs> the point I'm making is this. Look, look, look. I just realized that this life, there's no running. That's why I'm talking about it. There's no running. And listen to the word of God. He has done it like this. If people run, they will lose. That's how God has done us believers. 
That's why my brother looked and said, how do we conquer this nation? He says, with the word of God. It's not with political noise making. You know, it's not with political noise making. I tell prophets, stop politics. Stop politics. No matter how angry you are, just put the flesh under. Forget politics. You are not dealing with flesh and blood here. So my brother said, look, let's go to Medugri. Let's go and plant the word there. That is the only solution. We Christians, we understand this thing. That's the point I'm trying to make. We don't run. We don't run from things. We understand that we are on assignment from God. God wants to redeem a land. He sends us there. You know, when I hear Christians talk sometimes, it's so annoying to me. So I go to this land, it is good. He said, that is why I'm here. Was Nigeria good when Pyeltin came? British man that said he loved to have many children. He said, but because he was white, and the way things are, he, he would have had to go back home and go and educate his children. He said, but because I have a mission. He came with one daughter and said, no more children. We have a mission to do. His wife, this is, this is interesting part, his wife was he 12, 13, or 15 years older than him that we found out the other time. She was not his age mate. She was older than him significantly. Can't remember the exact number of years now. But she saw it as her life's mission to help this man succeed. She came down with him, stayed in Nigeria just to take care of him, cook his meals, make sure everything is okay with him. And at the age of 70-something, the man will still be driving all over this country, attending ministers' conferences, raising ministers. One of the type of food that he produced when he died, the person that brought his casket was Pastor E. Adeboye. He will use his own money to go and buy a casket so they could bury him. And he had written for them that when he dies, he doesn't want to hear anything. He said there's too much work to do for anybody to waste time giving him a befitting burial. He warned them ahead of time. He died in the morning, they buried him by evening, like a Muslim. Why? He said there's too much work to do. Everybody get back to work. So they just waited for his daughter to travel down. Once she arrived, they buried him and everybody left. That was the instruction he left behind. The country was bad. If you know, are you getting my point? There was nothing attractive. So white man raised in, in England, but the visions of God came upon him, and he said he had to go and execute the plan of God. You see pictures of him cooking on, you know, stones in Elisha there. You know, when you see people that God has blessed, they have air-conditioned air home, three-bedroom flats. Do you understand? They have one old car. It's not very fine, but it's working. They have a phone, they have a laptop, they have everything. They say Nigeria is bad. You know, I just want to slap your face. Your life is now dictated morning up and down because of where it's good, where it's bad. You're no longer a soldier of Christ. Let me tell you your name. Demas. You can do anything you want in life, just realize you're on assignment. Oh. That's the point I'm making. Never forget it. Never forget it. Never forget it. I don't know how people just wake up in the morning. What they are looking for is non-entity average lives. That's what they just want. I just want my life to be non-entitious. like my English. I bring up once in a while. This is a new one for today. That's the second word I have learned today. First one was which one? Fatia Daya. Second one is non-entitious. He said, do you want your life just be non-entitious? Sometimes we tell the medical, you know, healthcare in Nigeria is bad. I said, there are statements you make. You know God has given you an assignment. I'm serious. There are statements you make. You just know God has given you an assignment. Google up the story of a crisis of um, faith and life missions in Joss. He had a life's dream that why should anybody pay for health care? You, know, you know, we like to tell stories. You get to the UK, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay for health care. You don't have to pay for health care. 
let me just tell you a few things. You don't stop, you know, <laughs> stop listening to only one half of the story. Yesterday I was still reading, you know, I, I keep myself updated on some of these things. About the one guy that um he was talking about how an infection, septicemia, one form of infection anyway, and it almost killed him. They had to amputate both of his feet and both of his hands and his lips and nose. Yeah, because that's how much the bacteria had eaten him up. You understand? You know, destroyed a lot of his organs. So I was reading that. I clicked on another link to another girl, you understand, who had the same story. I, I, think that, I don't even know which one I read first, you know. It was, this is BBC Health News. And this is UK. This girl had sepsis. She had an infection. She went to hospital. And they told her that she would have to wait for so long to see the doctor. That she had better go home and take Panadol. And she went back home, took Panadol, or paracetamol, and lay down there. Healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. Guess what happened? The infection continued to spread. Her mother was wondering why she was not picking, replying the text messages she was sending to her. Finally, the mother called. And she just managed, because it's not touch screen, managed to just touch the screen to answer the call and told her. I said, when the mother heard the voice, she knew something was out of order. The mother ran down forever she was, took them, said they called for an ambulance, they sent one paramedic. After something, two joined. By the time they got out to the hospital, she died. And I people talk sometimes. You know, it just irritates me. Half, people don't even know what's going on in the world. Was it not the same England? One of, two of our students were there. You go to hospital, stomach is paining, they give you paracetamol. By the time the girl came back home, they rushed out to a, a, a big hospital in Lagos. But, no, the parents went, but I think she was talking on the phone. They wanted the girl on the fly, brought her to Lagos. The Nigerians couldn't believe it. Where did you say you're coming from? England? And they couldn't treat you? Rushed the girl to a theater. By that time, she had what we call peritonitis. She died. Look, let's, let's, not, let's not insult our intelligence. We're talking as if uh, once you get somewhere, uh, life just smooth, just rosy. In all of those countries, listen, let me tell you, you get to England. I'm not here to run down any country. I'm just trying to let you balance things. When they want to operate on you, they give you seven months appointment. The only way you get treatment is it has to be an emergency. Say, I don't die, I don't die, I don't die. Then they will treat you. But if you just walk, you go like this. I was talking to our brothers the other day, you know, talking about it. They said, no, their rule is 15 minutes per patient maximum. Did you hear what I said? 15 minutes per patient max. If you don't like it, go and pay private practice. This is how it is. If you go to the doctor with pain in the eye, and what they see, you say, hey, I remember they have my one in the mouth. He said, no, go and take another appointment for the one in the mouth. No, what I've told you is not exaggerated. I confirm with guys there. No, you told them you are coming with pain in the eye. So he's seeing you with pain in the eye, and he's timing you 15 minutes. Yet, when we were in med school, we were taught to take a history of our patient. If you wanted to take a proper history, you need an hour. I still remember the breakdown, presenting complaint. Then what is the history of the presenting complaint? That is what is the presenting complaint? Eye pain. How did this start? When did this start? How many times did this start? You start asking questions. Oh, then you now finish with that one. Now say, is anybody in your family with eye pain too? Your grandfather, did he die from eye pain? <laughs> I'm serious. We ask all those questions. You keep on, you smoke, you drink, you don't drink. How, you know, you're supposed to ask all of these things. And then you now start checking. When you are finished with that eye problem, you now start with, okay, let's now check what we call systemic review. You start from the head to the toe. Okay, we have finished your eye. His nose worrying you. Sneeze, let me see. Blow your nose. <laughs> I'm serious, you do that. Then you go all the way down to how is his urine. Unless you do that, you have not yet properly talked to your patient. How can you do that in 15 minutes? Now, all of this I've told you, I've not examined the patient, though. 
When you now finish, you now take the patient, lie down here. That's an examination. And it, now, listen. So stop shouting and see if God lives somewhere. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. That's what I'm trying to explain. But my, my, my brother, uh, uh, Chris, Chris CJ, his own dream was to give free health care to everybody. He just felt that health is fundamental. How will he pay? I don't know. So he opened the clinic. He's a doctor. His wife is a doctor. They started running the clinic. If you come, they treat you. They give you medicine free. Listen to me. Some of, it's such a, it, you know, that idea, you wonder how a human being intends to sustain it. But that's how it is when God has sent you on a mission. You will go and work, work, make money, bring it, sit down in the clinic in the evening, consult. When he's done with you, he gives the medicine free of charge. You need a procedure, he will operate on you free of charge. When he's done, he says you can go. No, no payment. It has to be a mission. Please, you can, you can read up his story. Faith and Life Clinics. It's a mission in just. No, and it's not every bad thing in your life. God, God, where were you? When bad things happen, it has happened. Just say, Father, I thank you. Why am I saying so? This is how he kept on building. He said, ah, the day he was talking with me, he said, listen. He said, that time was the hard time. He said, now I've entered my rest. When he was talking to me. Why? He just showed me the, 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 the brochure they had. Because that clinic he was using, that place he was using, kept on building it up. Then one day he caught fire and burnt to the ground. Bad thing, right? All things work together. All fires work together for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So you know what happened? His, 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 his story had been spreading. People had been hearing about what he was doing. People were already donating things to him. People were already helping him. When he now heard that this our clinic burnt. Some people knocked on his door one day in his house. Hello. We are so, so, and so, and so, and so people. We heard about the work you've been doing. I'm just summarizing the story now. Okay, I don't know how they came, reached him, but... They told him, we have money for you. He said, money? I don't take money. He said, we want to give you the money to build a new facility. He said, uh, all right, what you would do? Okay. Oh, no, they now agreed with him. I said, okay, fine. Just clear out. Clear out your things and get out of there. So he did. They brought a, a beautiful actual design and said, give us six months. And they started building. Six months later, they called him back and handed him keys to a complete three-floor hospital, state-of-the-art, fully built. Your keys. America, this, I think it was an American mission. The head of it, another one head of it, is also, okay, what will it take to keep 10 doctors working for you full-time? He told them, they pay the salaries from the U.S. How many of you have heard of Mayo Clinic? They used to send students there to come and learn tropical medicine. The day was telling me this story, he said, my brother, I've entered into rest. He said, the days of me struggling, he said, those days, those days have gone. And at this time, he was still working in the teaching hospital. They were now begging him, say, please, focus on this work full time. He refused. Whatever they are paying you there, we will pay. That's how much God blessed him. At that time, he said, they are mostly consumed. So I'm telling you, it's nothing less than, yes, ah. Now, it's about 10 years ago, 9, 10 years ago. Not less than nine years. Most likely ten. He said the consumables monthly was six million naira for the laboratories. What do they call consumables? Not a new microscope. It's cotton wool, reagent, syringe and needle, spirits, things like that. Monthly, six million. People will come and say, no, sir, we must pay money. So he now opened an account office and put a big sign there. 
This is a free hospital. I saw the sign. This is a free hospital. Any money you pay here is totally voluntary. You are not being charged anything. People queued up to be paying. His colleagues will take leave from work to come and work for him. I don't need to tell you that a huge chunk of his staff were volunteer staff. How can something good like that be happening? You want to, you, your name will be missing. You want that? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was usual to see cardiologists, pulmonologists, you know, specialists of all types coming to work there free of charge. Gynecologists will come there, do surgeries, no pay. They don't want money. They come, run full clinic, walk out of the place with nothing. We don't want money. Ah, look at what our brother is doing. I know the pathologist I was working for him, one of my senior colleagues. Most of them were not paid. They had doctors that were being paid. Who, that's the only job they did. All these ones, they were working elsewhere. They just come, okay, I give this number, certain number of hours a week. One day I wanted to invite him for a, our alumni fellowship to come and give a talk. He told me he was busy. But this is the point that it was interesting. It was a white woman that replied me to discuss his schedule. Yes. It was an American woman now monitoring his schedule. You want to book him, you talk to her. Because the man had what? A vision. The man had a vision. The time, you know, they were looking for where, a lot of people were looking for how to, you know, Africa, where to help people. Of course, you know where they went. They went to him. I don't need to tell people like that. They don't need to beg anybody for a visa to go to any part of the world. When I told the story, one of my brothers, you know, Gabriel, he submitted his name for CNN heroes. That no, they have to consider this guy for a CNN hero. But I don't know what came out of that. But really, why am I telling this story? So when you come and tell him, something is not working in the country, you've just identified a mission. And what is your response? Run. If you were God, won't you punish you? Think about it. So please, don't come and sit and be argue with me that one country is better. I've never argued where is good, where is bad. My argument has always been, where is your mission? That one day God will come and ask you, where are you? That's the point I'm just making. One day God will come and ask you, where are you? What are you doing where you are? That's just what we are saying. That's what we are saying. What we are saying is, is if, each all of, if each one of us will get up and realize that we are supposed to be responsible people. You know, one day one Indian told um, one of our brothers here, that you Nigerians are not smart people. That otherwise all your, resi- all your roads in residential areas will be good. And you know that thing is so true. In fact, I, should, I, I want to talk to people in government. Remind me to tell Kingsley this thing. Whether Enugu can execute it. Government doesn't have to spend money to make residential roads good. The Indian man just explained it. It's very simple. First, you know how we build houses in Nigeria. In Enugu especially. Enugu, we have a culture of building good houses. We, we spend money. When you see fence in Enugu, we spend money. So Indian man just said, just do your gutter and pour concrete on your own half of the road. Then your neighbor does his gutter, pours concrete. Then down the street, you have a concrete road. And then where I live, my street, because of these heavy rains the last few days, one of the men there, to enter his compound was war. So I'm not doing this one thing. He did exactly what the Indian man has been saying that we should do. He concreted, is that English good? Or he concretized. <laughs> anyway, he poured concrete on the half of the road down to his gate. I just thought about it. I said, if the next guy did this, don't tell me it's costly. I see the houses. So. That's why I first described the house that we are building. The fence we are doing. 
The man said, what if we just did half of the road in front of your house? But you know what we'd rather do? Buru Buru is not doing anything. That's what we would rather do. We will blame Buru Buru while our roads are being washed away in front of us. What's this government doing? And if it, look, and if the government comes tomorrow and says everybody do it by force, they say it's oppression. That's what we will say. That doesn't know whether I have money. How can you not have money? Can't I see this house? Did you steal the house? You had money. Ah, I know. I, I, you know how much you spent on the foundation. If you just okay, just let, reduce your fence small. You will finish that thing we are saying. After all, the law is already there that we should do gutters, but we don't do. Those countries we are running to, let me tell you. Once I was discussing my friend lives in Houston, Texas. We were just discussing. They said that a number of people have died because of cold spell. So you know when they say people died because of something? Go and check what they mean die. It doesn't mean the cold spell came, blew on their faces, and they fell under the power and died by fire. That's not what they mean, no. You know, some scatter and scatter. They didn't some scatter and scatter. They just said, you person died from an incident related to the cold. For example, one of the ones they count, they count is that an old man with a weak heart goes to clear the snow in front of his house. And that exercise of clearing snow, he gets a heart attack and dies. They will say he died as a result of a cold spell. It's not the cold that killed him, but because he had to shovel snow out of the front of his house. So that was the Jesus. I was not telling my friend, I said, ah, if you know your heart is not good, why are you shoveling snow? Ah, he said, Banky, that's not how it works. He said, by law in the United States, you are held responsible for the sidewalk in front of your house. So that, now, he said, by law. So you see, this uh, sidewalk we have all over here, the one in front of this building, the government expects us to take care of it. By law. He said, so this is what happens. That if you don't shovel the snow, remember it's a sidewalk. What, what does that mean? Everybody's walking on it. He said, if you don't shovel the snow, somebody's walking on it, he slips and he falls. And injures himself. That hospital bill is on your neck. They will sue you. That I fell and broke my elbow. Why? The snow... Because you know the way snow is, it compacts into ice. If, if, if it doesn't melt off, which can be very dangerous. Sometimes, in fact, that's why they have to clear their roads. Because if it becomes a thin layer of ice, uh, what they call, um, drivers won't see it. You just see the black thing. They call it black ice. You just see the black road. You won't know there's a thin layer of ice. Your car, your, your, <laughs> your car will just start doing an Olympic skiing, you know, figure skating <laughs> on the road. So they have to keep those things, you know, Keep on removing the. That's why they don't let the snow stay. They keep on removing it. They keep on removing it. So they say the one on your sidewalk is actually your responsibility. So if somebody falls there, you are held responsible. So as soon as the snow stops, people come out in the morning. They start shoveling snow off the sidewalk. So people die in that process. I said, ah, this is the very thing people like me thought it was innovative when I thought of some of those ideas. I said, we should be made responsible for keeping all the gutters in town clean and held responsible. The country you are running to, they hold the average person responsible. If we try to hold people responsible here, do you know what happens? We revolt. 
If you see, no, my colleagues are always fighting uh, over taxing, over taxing. Somebody has called one of them. If I told some of them, other people have said, look, relax. This thing you are calling over taxing. A no good state is that it is in negotiation. No. If they apply the law to the letter, you will know what they call tax. So. so just zip your mouth and pay whatever they are collecting. Because we are so used to not paying it. So when the government went broke, they came to collect all their taxes. Now that they are collecting, we are like, ah, can you collect some money from everyone? Where we are going to, we are running to, they will tax also. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that why, if, you, if only we'll be responsible, all of us, you will realize that we live in one of the best places on this earth. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying everybody be responsible. If you're a doctor that you, you know, maybe me and you, we just, especially if you specialize, you know I always try to sell an idea or ask any of them here. I say, please, make it a project that Nigerians will run to India for treatment. It's not hard. What I've told you is not hard. You don't need government. You do not need Nigerian government for any of these things. Don't let them lie to you that Dangote is rich because government is helping him. I hope you know it's a lie of the poor people. You will never hear Otodala say that. So this jobless, hungry, no work, people that will be pointing fingers. He's rich, you can't go and help him. Have you ever heard Pascal Doze complain like that? What's the name of this? Our brother Innocent. Come to complain that, uh, what's his name? Dangote is rich. No. Islamic festival time. They feed they are all Muslims. Christmas, Dangote is a Christian. They all sit down and be eating and be negotiating. Oh boy, you want to import this? For where? How much? That's what they'll be negotiating. In fact, this is that picture one time. Somebody saw them on a boat. Doing opening of breaking of fast, Christians and Muslims, all of them breaking fast, are breaking business, breaking dollar, breaking pounds. Nancy Paul put in government is just helping that good Listen, let me give you the word of God. Get up, God will help you. Forget whose government is helping. You need God's help. If you get up and take hold of the plow, take hold of your instruments of war. I'm telling you, God will help you. And if God is helping you, this is how it works. When God wants to help people, this is what happens. He will command governments to help you. He will command the weather to help you. I told you about the man who told me, he said, man of God. That's how it calls me, he said, man of God. That from Nigeria here, I control 15 consecutive times the exchange rate of dollar to the then French franc. Did you hear what I said? He said, 15 times, I will tell God, I want the exchange rate between the French franc and the dollar to be so, so, and so, and so amount by Friday. Then he will call his people abroad and say, so, so, and so, and so, they switch my money from dollar to francs. But then he did a few times. I said, how do you know? How do you know these things? Our economists will sit down and calculate and calculate, and most times they are wrong. You have not missed it once in 15 times. Wow. He said to people, you want to hear the truth? They say yes. He said, I pray. And they say, no, 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 no. You can't be prayer. He said, well, you wanted to hear the truth. I have told you the truth now. I told that to let you know. When you are ready, God will help you. 
God will help you. He will help you. Listen. He will help you. He will help you. You just have to wipe it away from your brain. You are not a beggar. You're not a beggar. You're not a beggar. God is looking for people to use. But what do we do a lot of times? We are so busy looking for where we can rest. We are signing up for lives, lives that have no impact. We are signing up for obscurity. That's what we do all the time. We don't realize God is not, he's not, he didn't send it to life to feed you. Feeding you is not the least of his problems. He didn't send you to life to give you some comfort. He said, lo, I come. In the volume of the books it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Thy law is within my heart. That is, when God says sacrifice and offerings, I don't desire it anymore. He said, what do I do? He said, a body he has prepared for me. So I now said, I come to take advantage of that body. To come and do his will on the earth. What does that mean? God said, look, I gave you life. Come out and affect life. Stop going around like a hungry, you know, a hungry beggar. Looking for where food is free. When you hear people talk sometimes, you're looking at said, a cupboard. You call yourself a Christian. Some people, they made their country good. I agree with you. So who will make your own good? That's the question we're saying. That's our discussion. Who will make your own good? The leaders. <laughs> First I ask all the time, who? Who is the leader? When I was young, my father, that's how my father too complained about the leaders, the leaders. Then he be, at the point in time, he was older than all the leaders. <laughs> then we, the children, the generation after them, we are still complaining about the leaders. After, after look, anybody my mate who says leaders, eh? They can't abuse where I go abuse the person. When you go there, all the forget it. The leaders of the country, I hope you know, is not the head of state and a few senators. No. Those who are really leading, who are making things happen, they are not old men. Know who the leaders are? Those who employ 10 people, 20 people, 15 people, some of them 500 people. They are the ones that the economy is running on, not the few decisions made by government. It's not interesting. When we don't have faith, and I was telling you last time, when we were bidding for GSM licenses, every Nigerian company inside that place, apart from Adenuga, dropped out. They were just dropping out one after the other. It took the South Africans to stand. It took the Zimbabweans to stand. They were bidding for GSM license. Nigerian companies, there were a lot of Nigerian companies there that is held by Nigerians mostly. They dropped. License will hit $150 million, they dropped. By the time it hit $200 million, they couldn't go anymore. Not because they did not have the money, they all had the money. They didn't have the faith. The South Africans looked, said, This market is good. They pushed the thing. They raised $285 million. They were still standing. Only three people stood. Zimbabwe. Oh, he had Nigerian backers anyway, but he was a guy championing. Strive Masiwa. He stood. The MTN, South Africa. They stood. They came to Nigeria. They stood. Then the company that uh, Adenuga kept there, you know, was, was doing that time, they had some issues. There was one small conflict anyway. Before they now gave them, they now came back with Global Come After. That, only three of them stood. All the, 
Akim Belos Age, he opened his mouth and said, no person paying $200 million for a license will make money in a very long time. Then last year, he said that was the worst business decision I ever made. He said, because we found out later that the true value of that license is something around 800 million US dollars. That the 285 they paid was a giveaway. And of course, recent events showed us that federal government told MTN, return 8 billion you took abroad, and you are owing us 2 billion dollars in taxes over the last 10 years. The fight now is on 10 billion. They say 8 billion we know is your own, but you took it abroad illegally. But you are owing us $2 billion in taxes. Now they are in court fighting on those ones. What am I trying to say? Why did we lose that lack of faith? When I see young boys and young girls running up and down, I say, this faith you don't have. That is all. Don't tell me security because, <laughs> is it this America you are going to? One mass shooting average on the daily basis. The one I see three days ago. I don't know if you'll be telling you. Just read your news. It's every day. I want to kill his wife. Shot the man who saw him kill his wife. Pursue another person. By the time he finished, he had killed five people. Entered his car, began to run away. Police pursued him. He came out shot himself. That was the end of that. You know what he did? He handed a baton to the next shooter. That, no, somebody will do it the following week. There's no security anywhere. Safety is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God. Faith is what we need, though. That's why I run up and it's faith. I believe very strongly. Listen, there's nothing you, you want in any place that God has not put the seed to produce that thing in the hearts of people. I'm telling you the truth. There's nothing, nothing you want in any place in this world that God has not put the seed in the heart of people to produce around you. That's what I'm trying to make. And you have your own to produce. You know, there was a time Nigerians complain, complain, we whine, 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 grumble, 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 university, Nigerian universities, bad, bad, bad. Asu strike, Nasu strike, Usu strike, Sanu, every there's Asu, there's Nasu, there's Sanu, there's Husu, there's Hutu, there's <laughs> So we complained because universities were bad. Why we were whining? Of course, Nigerians are running all over the world. Of course, one of the places they ran to was Ghana. Can you remember? This is the interesting part. Do they still go to Ghana for school now? They still do. University. Who is the person? The person smoke. What is the, what is the reason? Okay. Uh, no, the, the pressure, you are, you are deceiving us. That's, that's a serious matter. I'm talking people who are, are looking for good education. That one is a different matter. No, 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 no. No, see, there are people that, anyway, like Nigerians who go to Eastern Europe because they wanted to study a course, we don't give it to them. It's not because the education is better. No, that's not the one I'm talking about. No, but people leaving because of good quality education. No, they don't do that anymore. You know why? People like Bishop Oedepo arose, opened Covenant University, opened Landmark University, Afebabala University opened. University started opening here and there. The Nigerians found that there was no need. Why am I talking about all of these things? Somebody got up, had a vision, and said, let us do it. And he did it. And he keeps doing it. You can say anything you want about Bishop Oedipo, but that's your problem. He built Covenant University. I thank God for it. It has reduced their number, the amount of dollars we spent looking for quality education. The point I'm making is that it's people that do these things, not spirits. One day I saw the, I saw 
the convocation was in matriculation ceremony of Afe Babala. Ah, hey, that was Nadoikiti. The man said, we're a real federal university. What he means is that he, show, he gave statistics of the students they have from different parts of the country. Then they, they, matric- they had 7,000 students. I don't need to tell you about their faculty of law. It will be one of the best in the nation. Because the man is a lawyer. These are the people that have been doing law for a long time. I hope you're getting my point. Human beings do things. It's when you do yours, I do mine. You do yours. Your neighbor does his own. Your neighbor does her own. Little by little by little by little by little. Little. Those little, little, little things. It's what makes the country strong. It's what makes the nation good. Don't think you are smart or aware when you know how to tell me what is wrong. Who doesn't know what is wrong? Everybody knows what is wrong. What makes you a true child of God is what am I doing? What is my own portion? What am I contributing? Listen, if we can, you know, there was something somebody said once. I was in Nitel building or one of these buildings. Not now. This was almost 20 years ago. Caught fire in Lagos. And one, one, one diplomat, he was looking at it. He said, eh? That when he was in that building born, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. That if they had brought Nigerians abroad back, they would quench that fire. Did you catch that? That he has seen them walk where they go. But when they come back home, they don't want to walk. That the kind of way they walk, if they use it, that the way they walk abroad, if they use it, he said, this fire will die immediately. But the building, the building burnt. He just shook his head. What am I going to say? The problem is inside our heads. And let me say to you again, government is not the problem. Government is not the problem. For a long time, problem... Go, forget these few stories you read about. The real government for a long time has been trying to solve problems. The problem is that you go to a place like Bank of Industry. They are willing to give you 50 million naira, 100 million naira, 200 million naira if you want. There's only one problem. Most people can't handle it. Because you're not going to come and say, give me 50 million naira, I have an idea. <laughs> Ideas are very, very simple. You see, everybody can have ideas. Just dream up things. So we can have as a star, put it in our box to generate, you know? We, ideas. We can all have ideas. But they want a track record. I bought a cassava milling machine. This is how I produce my gary, my cassava flour. Okay? Now I have markets here, here, here. I now want to buy, you know, a well. I need machines to automate these things properly so that I can produce and back them and give them NAFDAQ number. So I can do this and this. So the machines that will produce it, these guys have agreed to fabricate, things like that. So I need 75 million naira. And I believe that if you do like, you give them that, they will buy you the machine. They will. What I've told is not a joke. And listen to me, they don't, you don't need connection. They are buying for people every day. But we'll sit down morning, afternoon, and night. And country is not good. Country is not good. Country is not good. Then when they say, okay, uh, Bank of Industry is willing to, willing to give 50 million, they say, I want. They didn't give me. It's become from, I'm from Oguta. That's why they didn't give me. Because the man is from uh, Ogidi. Stupid fight will start. 
Eh, they give to Dangote. They want him to prosper. They are helping Dangote. You know, you know we'll now be looking for how to explain away our failures. Meanwhile, what the people have said is now settle down. Go and buy the normal and be milling the cassava. That one, if five of your friends put 10,000 10, together, they have helped you to buy that one. You can pay them back over six months. You can do that one. Do it first. Listen, there is no quick money. God doesn't like giving people quick money. Say so you sow a seed tomorrow morning, you won't, you, your life won't be the same. Yes, I had 10,000. You collected it, man of God. How can my life be the same? <laughs> If you think a yes way, you see, they say, look, it doesn't work like that. Let's get it clear. All those stories you hear pastors tell. Eh? Those stories you hear. 90, 96% is a lie. Either total lie or the whole truth was not told. Let me not mention this. One day I heard one American preacher talking how he planted a seed. After I planted that seed, the one thousand dollars seed. Next day, I got a call, and they sent me ten thousand dollars. A week later, I got a call, and it was five thousand dollars. And I got a man looking at the man. I told my wife that time. I said, "Baby, have you noticed something?" He did not tell us the full story. Did he plant his seed? He did. I'm not saying it's a lie. Did he get ten thousand dollar call? He did. I'm not saying he lied. One part of it he forgot to tell us was that for 10 years, he had been writing a Bible commentary. For 10 years, he had been working on some materials. And those materials were with the publishers at that time. And these stories he's telling us is as they began to push and sell. He didn't tell us. The previous year, he had recorded music. It's as if I just planted $1,000 and the harvest came. It began to fall. Oh, plan $1,000. You do not written anything. You don't have a farm. You don't have anything you do. You plant $1,000. God is waiting. Say, okay, come on. Come. Okay, I will multiply it. Go and come, Magu. EFCC was to come and arrest me. That day I told my wife, I said, baby, can you see how we corrupt testimonies? We just take testimonies. He said, it's as if all it needed was my $1,000 seed. And by next week, dollars was raining. I had to call the other boats. Come, we are fishing for a dollar. Come and help me. No, no, you know that. So please, eh? All these stories you hear, and I just, I just gave one offering, and next is you. You have given offering. You have been waiting. Hunger will punish you. Look, I know what I'm telling you. Hunger. Oh God. No, they are, by the time hunger is done dealing with you, the wisdom of God will enter. That is, <laughs> you have never done anything. You are planting seed. Say, right now, this basket is anointed. Any offering that enters today, if God does not multiply it tenfold in one week, come back. The man who is saying it is a, is a visitor. When you meet the host pastor, say, I saw this, he say, where is the receipt? <laughs> what am I saying of these things? God doesn't multiply money quickly like that. What God gives is a blessing. What is a blessing? Empowerment to succeed. In all that he does, he prospers. There's a doing. There is something he does. In all that he does, he prospers. What God gives is a blessing. 
A blessing is what he gives. The empowerment to do well. So people have a dream, like I was talking about that, uh, that Gary thing as an example. Then little by little, they get a, 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 a cassava milling plant. The next thing, somebody just says, look, come, come, come. How many of us know Indomie? No noodles. These noodles, noodles, noodles. What do they use to make itself? I don't even know. What kind of flour? Is it corn flour, rice flour? I see. Now I'm hearing different things. Somebody said cassava, corn, rice, wheat. Who knows? Summarize it. You know why I don't think it's cassava flour? It was not developed in Nigeria, so it's not like to be cassava flour. Cassava doesn't have that uh, gummy, twisty, you know, and the type it has. It needs a little gluten. You know what they call gluten? That, that's why wheat, when you use wheat, the thing draws, you know? Uh-huh. I don't know what exactly they use, but this point I'm making. Let us assume it was made from cassava. You know, no country can grow cassava like we can. And there's no crop. I know a bit of agriculture. All right? There's no crop that I find as easy to produce as cassava. Very few things attack its roots. More than 20 years ago, IITA in Ibadan, they had developed the cassava mosaic virus resistant strain. Once you clear the ground, soften the ground, you don't need heaps. Just harrow your ground. Put the stem in. You put pre-emergent uh, what they call pre-emergence herbicide. That one wears off after about three months. By that time, the foliage is thick. Nothing grows under it. You just wait it out. Yes. I'm saying say something here. Listen, once I went to Nsoka, then our visit made it compulsory. Everybody had to come. I had a Nigerian guy, a, a UNN graduate, but he went to school. He did agricultural engineering or something. But anyway, he's into solid crop science. He's, he, the guy's crop science is something else. That was my first time. He's a Nigerian. The man from, I think, Anambra State here. But he went to school in the UNN. But he's, been, <clears throat> he's abroad. He, he was working in Australia. Then he's in South Africa. That's why he came from South Africa to give this lecture. Hi. That day, I felt bad. I didn't know crop science and agric engineering was like that. He would describe what they are doing there in the, where he's, um, the school where he's in, um, in South Africa. He's the PhD project of his students is how to, is how to make strawberries last. Gra- grapes they harvest so it can keep for two extra weeks. By being able to keep for two extra weeks, they can export further. You know, little, little things like that. Ah. I felt like going to arrest the guy, kidnapping him, putting him in my boot, and carrying him to my house. So I got developments from cassava. And I found out that foods can be developed. And he began to explain the potentials of agriculture. Now, let's take this in, these noodles things we are talking about. Now, when I was in university, was when Nigerians started eating noodles. It was halfway through my stay in university. So it was in the late 80s that noodles became food in Nigeria. Do you know that? Before that time, we hardly ever heard of it. We knew of spaghetti, but I'm talking about noodles. Then it didn't caught fire. You know my caught fire, caught fire. Then it was Indomie. Then Maggie came and joined. Indomie was uh, Indomie, Indomie three-minute min, noodles. It was Indomie three-minute noodles. Then Maggie, Maggie came around 1990-91 and introduced Maggie two-minute noodles. And Indomie changed their adverts to Indomie instant noodles. Then M&B looked and said, eh, only you, Mimi noodles showed up. 
Everybody began to do noodles, noodles, noodles. Now, noodles was invented. They just said, let us make something. Now, why is it catching fire? It's so easy to cook. Students, to them, this is manna. One of my classmates in school, he ate Indomie so much that we started calling him Bumbu. Why Bumbu? Because they used to sell, when you buy, open the pack, there were two sachets inside. One was bumbu sauce, and the other one was chili. So you, you, you open both of them, put it inside, hot water, you know, just heat it for a few minutes, grass don't land. Are you getting my point? So, they started calling the guy bumbu, because he ate noodles every day, maybe twice a day. <clears throat> now imagine, if we had food like that, made out of cassava. That's what I'm talking about. But you know what we like to do? The abuse person with the sogari. This man was giving lecture that day. When I saw what the, the kind of things they were doing with manipulating food, preserving food, how to process, I just realized that food is an invention every day. I realized that it takes a man of faith to download from heaven a technology in that area and the, the fellow can change the whole nation. That's why I, I just realized it. We did not start eating, we, 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 are not, we didn't invent noodles. But I can assure you, one of the biggest noodle consumers in the world now. Because we eat as much as anybody else in our population. So China will be number one, India is number two, America will be number, how many people in Japan? You say Japan. How many human beings in Japan? Even if all of them chop into me three times a day, can they chop as much as UNN students combined with. Uh... <laughs> I know culturally they may have it, but I'm talking about population. We have the population to eat it. And I can assure you, Japanese size cannot be as big as our own. Not with those of Kalenga people. Okay, apart from the sumo wrestlers, those guys will drop like 15 pounds. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, I'm going to say something here. So, you see, a whole new market was created out of something somebody invented. And we're a major market. We're a major market. When we don't, we don't settle down and believe in our own economy and work on it properly. The South Africans came here. We're now fighting them to return $8 billion when they carry go, in my mind. Somebody will get up and bring $8 billion. If it's you, will you bring it back? That this, that they say this one, this more and more don't enter inside pop. You know, they come out to get $8 billion. Now, negotiation now. But you see the amount of money that we have exported. I want everybody to catch. So, please, don't. I'm talking about mission-mindedness. So I tell the young doctors, when I talk to them, especially the ones who are just finishing their specialty training, I say, people, make it a vision. I told the story of a man who wanted a free hospital. And God said, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. He just asked God for a free hospital to help people. He's not sick. He is not sick. And God gave it to him. So the place runs like a ministry. You go there, you get free word of God, in quotes. You give an offering if you want. And then you go away. Listen to this. He asked the Lord for it. And listen, learn the lesson from the fig tree. This nation you are in. I have looked around. When I was growing up in school, all the music we, all the secular music floating around were Michael Jackson, then, uh, I don't even know. There are all kinds, there are all kinds from America. But now if you ask a typical University student in Nigeria named two American musicians. Unless you're a troublemaker, they can't name it. No, they can name people that make trouble. You know, 
uh, Rihanna, Lady Gaga. I know those ones because they make trouble. You know, they are always in the news. Uh-huh. You, you hear of people like that. But they sing their song, they don't even know. But it's okay, don't qualify, just say, name 10 musicians for me. They will give you 20 Nigerians. 20. I'm, I, remember what I said? They learn a lesson from the fig tree, all right? This is what I want to bring out from it. You see what we did? We took over the music market, collected it back. And our own model is different, too. Americans, you know, they believe in um, CD sales, downloads. Our own, we don't say you go pirate them. We know, we know. So we have our own model. We have so much. Listen, these boys, you see, all these, uh, what's the name of that Lagos boy? Davido. All those boys. Look, if you know how much money they have, you'll be frightened. All I can you know they told me a few years ago, Don just left two billion naira in cash in an account. Did you hear what I said? I like the way you laugh that laughter. <laughs> two billion naira in cash. Two billion naira. That EFCC had to call him, say, oh boy, how far? He says, my money. And by the time he showed them how he made his money, they couldn't talk. I'm not kidding. Those boys, eh, they can blow 20 million naira and not even remember they spent money. That's why some of them call them mad. Because when you have too much money, madness is the next portion. Unless God... <laughs> If you see what people like Ali Baba have made, telling stories, cracking jokes. They say, Ali Baba, come on, MCA program, we tell you five million naira. Yet, when people like me were in university, they didn't exist. They did not exist. But it came up one day, took over the music industry. When we were in school, we went to worship. You went to CC Winers, Donnie McClurkin, Hosanna Music. Now, CC Winers, say, let's listen to, say, who? CC, who? What? What did you say? CC. Say Sinatch or what? It's Sinatch you you know you listen to now. You know, you know <laughs> the day my wife told me Sinatch was a Nigerian, I was surprised. No, no, I'm not joking. No, no Sinatch, you know Sinatch. No, no, oh Sinatch, babe, like this. They tell me Sinatch. Sinatch. <laughs> Some of the Frank Edwards songs when I first heard them, I didn't know they were Nigerian. I, you know, I could. <laughs> we took our worship back. Took our worship completely. And God now gave us Nathaniel Bassi. I'm not joking. The first time I heard Nathaniel Bassi, I also, I did not know he was Nigerian. Remember, learn a lesson from what? The fig tree. That's where I'm going now. From the music industry. From the movie industry. Learn a lesson. This is what I'm going to make. Any area, now listen to this, that we get up. God will rain his blessing on it so much. Nobody will need to go abroad to go and look for that thing. I didn't hear you, amen. amen. See the way we took over, collected our music industry. God said, listen, arise people, collect your health industry. There's no reason for anybody to travel anywhere to go anywhere for treatment. There's no treatment you can't bring down here. I told you, um, America was telling me that day that they had patients that they send their brother babies, children that have um, heart defects. So they send them, you know, they send them for treatment. So most of them they get treated outside the country because of cost. 
all his patients went to India from their department. They all went to India, apart from one. That one, the parents had money, had the resources, went to America. He said that is the only person whose hole in the heart was not perfectly plugged. Let me summarize it like that. All the ones that went to India came back perfectly done. Why? Because the hospital, maybe the way they went in the U.S., maybe those ones do three surgeries a week. Indians do three surgeries a day. So proficiency. They are so used to doing it. Why am I? The reason I'm talking about it. U.S., India, you now see, there's no advantage. Those ones went to U.S. because they had the money. But they didn't get the advantage. I'm saying that to let you know, if you, you can do something down here, it will be better than going anywhere. I watched the Indian hospital on Al Jazeera. And I saw an American who had a valve problem in the heart. So the valve had to be replaced. So he flew to India. He said, they said, why did you come to India? He said, because after I did this investigation, he found out that the Indian man does 10 times the, the number that the American doctor that was going to do for him does. So he said, look, the more you do, the better you are. So he came over here. And let's not talk about the cost. He has saved himself. If he was paying directly, if insurance was not paying, he has saved himself at least 80% on cost. It was a major surgery. In the U.S., the cost would not have been anything less than maybe $250,000. Coming to India, plus ticket, plus accommodation, plus everything, he will not finish $50,000. Why am I telling the whole story? My people is, do- is doable. Oh, it's doable. And guess what? It doesn't take too much. You see, those things are expensive. Not more than 20 of our cars. So if we have 20 doctors that will agree to trek for one year, they will do it. Don't we preach us trek for one year? Because we want to build ministry? I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's not that costly. It's not costlier than 20 of our houses. So if we just say, okay, for five years, I'll continue to pay rent. Let's get this thing done. It's doable. And all those machines, let me tell you, Philips, GE, they are looking for who to give them to. If you open a good center and say to GE, come and put these machines here for me. I don't have money. If they come, inspect the place. See the kind of building and stuff you have. And they do, they look at your floor, they, they, they look, okay, this is a common condition in your environment, it's not so rare. You are 150, we are 180 million people, let's say, not everybody can afford it, but at least those who can are plenty. People are going to India every year, you spend $600 million currently going to India. And this, we harvest the Indian, um, you know, the, you know, those who go to India, it will, it will stop it. And listen to me, nobody likes to go out, but let me just tell you the truth. If you have had a sick person in the hospital, it's a horrible experience. You can't sleep. You, you see adults lying on the corridor inside the hospital. You think they like it like that. But Papa did inside the hospital. What, what would he do? Imagine not travel abroad. It's not easy. What I'm going to say is that you are sure that these people will come if they can find it. There's one advert they used to say those days. Nigerians know when to think Nigerian. Remember that advert? That is why till today, we don't buy foreign cable unless we are contractors, wicked contractors. Yeah, cable. It is known in construction business, in electrical business, that you want to buy cable, you buy made in Nigeria. So much that Chinese people are now making cable and writing made in Nigeria. <laughs> Am I lying? Please, oh. have I lied? <laughs> so now you see made in Nigeria, you, say, you know, there's simple test. You want to write made in Nigeria, just carry and bite them. If you can bite it, it's not made in Nigeria. No, go to the market. 
Every cable is written made in Nigeria, made in Nigeria or made in England. You now need technology to be sure it's made in Nigeria. Because as a matter of fact, if the imported one with all the after paying due to smuggling, whatever it is, is 10,000 naira, the made in Nigeria one is 20. Because of quality. You know, if people want to peel wire, they are, like this, they are biting it. Now Chinese wire. Bite Nigeria wire. It will bite you back. <laughs> you see, think full gauge copper. Full gauge. I'm going to say something here. We buy it preferentially because we know it is good. Let me even say this one. I will make you laugh. My friend, my best man, anytime he comes home, he lives in the UK. When he comes home, you know what he does? Buys granite and cashew nut. I'm not kidding. Ask my wife. Almost half a sack. When they get to the airport, they'll be looking at this. We'll now help him pack them into these, uh, these water bottles. And this, this, uh, like all this uh, water, yes. So that's a job. You'll be feeling granite and cashew nuts. He can't, when he's going back, his box is almost empty. When they, get, when they open it, they will look at him at the airport. What? I'm not joking. He used to buy six months supply. I said, but why? He said, I don't get granite for there. He said, no, we have peanut. <laughs> said, this one, uh, granite. Said, that one is peanut. <laughs> and really, when you eat the two, I don't know why they can't just do what we do. I'm saying something. Nigerians know when to think Nigerian. If you do it well, they will patronize it. If you explain these things to GE, you know that found out and Phillips, they will put the machines there at almost no cost, intending to recover their money as it's being used. You think medical equipment is easy to sell? They are looking for who we buy. The only problem they have, you know, is they don't like, the last one I noticed, they don't like to hand it to you. You just come to them. You go to G. It's okay. I need um, this kind of x-ray machine, ultrasound machine, and maybe radiotherapy machine, all of that, whatever it is, and you come with $5 million. They won't give you. They're not Chinese people. They, they reason differently. They won't hand you the machine. I was in one hospital in Lagos years ago when they were, they said they were having problems with buying equipment from GE. What was the problem? GE said, where are they, where are they taking it to? They said Nigeria. They said they are not selling. Why not? We have our money. They said it's not about money. That when you guys refuse to maintain it and it runs down, somebody will enter your lab and see our name run down. So they refused to sell. So negotiations started. So they ha- part of the deal was to send people for training. Send them abroad. Now, they have office in Nigeria. Now, those, that one has been taken care of. That we place it, if you have an agreement with them, it's an agreement to install, maintain. What I'm going to say is that it will keep running. They, won't, they will not let it fail. They, especially when it is private. They've seen MTN carrying $8 billion and owing $2 billion or so in taxes. Why do you think GE invested $1 billion in Nigeria over the last few years? Still going on. What am I saying? You set such things up, they will give you the machines. And your people will stop going to India. But listen, when you want to dream of such things, you have to understand you won't drive a good car for a while. You won't build a house for some time. Do you get my point? Now so life be. No, that is just the way life is. That's just the way it is. But if you are ready, listen to me. Ah, There's what the Bible calls grace. Grace is available. God is just looking for faithful people to pour grace upon. God is just looking for faithful people to pour grace on. Listen, let's remove I want to make money from our minds. Let's just say, what can I do to contribute to my society? So they will stop saying that we're underdeveloped. 
I've told a number of students to let you know that there are so many areas and there's no area we want to tackle with council. We'll take it bit by bit. If neighborhoods were to take care of their own roads, do you know half of the road you know, expenditure for local government and state is gone? And do you know we can afford it? We'll be, in a, we'll be on a street, we raise buildings, four floors. The cost of just doing our section of the road is not up to one quarter of what we have spent on one floor. Why can we not add it to our total cost of the, the cost of our projects? My people, look, I've spoken a lot. I've not even preached my message. That's why this message, I'm not sure it's going to be part of our series. If you are the head and not the tail, say an amen. amen. Heads are always looking for how they can impact the environment and not looking for how they can collect from it. It will cost you. That's what I want you to understand. We're not talking about a quick way to make money. There's nothing like quick money. It's that God will use your hands to turn around something that was bad and make it good. That's what we are saying. Through your hands, God will provide education that people will fly out of the country to come and attend. Amen. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. Even if you are not a doctor, you can be an investor. You can open a hospital that will end tourism. All you need to just say, what did they go there to go and do? It's just surgery, PET scan, a few machines. You don't even have to be medical, you'll be a doctor. But God can use your determination, your faithfulness, and the resources will pass through your hand to end medical tourism. Doctors will work for you. Say amen now. Amen. They will. Professors will see you and say, good morning, sir. That's a nice idea. You'll be sir. And you didn't read one-tenth of the book they read, but you have ten times their faithfulness. And God has used you to bring them back from wherever they are. You are paying them well. If you seek, they'll start praying. He must not die. If you believe that, say an amen. Amen. God will bring production through your hands. Amen. See power problems, it will be solved by people that are here. Amen. Transportation problem, you will solve it. Amen. Aviation problem, you will solve it. Amen. There are so security, you will solve it. Amen. Oh, there are so many things. That's one thing that's beautiful about countries like this. So many things to solve. Have you noticed that 99% of people that you know that run out of the country go there to take a job? Have you noticed? How many of them came back home and said, I started a company? I have seven white people working for me. This is the prophecy I want to give you. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. And listen to this. You will be an employer of labor. There are people sitting down here today listening to me, saying amen to this, that your workforce will be 50,000 human beings. 50,000 families will depend on your signature at the end of each month. In the name of Jesus. God will cause grace to come upon you to execute these things. In the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You know, (laughs) just listen to this. When Dangote's daughter was wedding, I saw Bill Gates. I said, so there's no racism again. There's no, I'm not a Muslim again. The guy sit down for Lagos on a big round table. He now became a joke. One man said, do you know who I am? He said, who are you? We have checked the pictures from Dangote's daughter's wedding. We didn't see your face. So who are you? <laughs> it became a joke. That is, when you see Bill Gates come from a wedding, or more, all you can say is the Lord is good. <laughs> you know what I want to say? There are people here. Now, not for materialism's sake, but for the influence you have. 
Men like Mark Zuckerberg will come for your daughter's wedding. Amen. Yes, inter- kings will come for your children's wedding. Amen. A few will surprise you on your birthday. Why? Because such will be your influence. They just a man of influence, a woman of influence in that country. We hear that the birthday is tomorrow. Let us go and give him or her a surprise. And you are here, you are listening to me today. It will happen in your life in the name of Jesus. Listen, it doesn't happen to those who are always looking for where things are easy. It happens to those who have passed through the valley of the shadow of death. But they did not fear evil. They did not fear that they would die. They did not fear that they would be poor. Because the Lord is with them. I say to you again today, the Lord is with you. You are a redeemer. You know, God said, I will send them a champion and a savior, and I will deliver them. When God wants to deliver people, he sends people. So I say to you again this evening, you are a champion. You are a savior. And you are a deliverer. You are not a beggar. No, you are not a beggar. That begging spirit, I rebuke it out of your life in the name of Jesus. You are a giver. You are a producer. It is the Lord thy God that is giving you the power to create wealth. You will be a creator of wealth in the name of Jesus. Strength will come out of your hands. You will take hold of the plow. You will not look back. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Just give him thanks. Let's just give the Lord thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks.